I want us to all go around and say something, just one thing. I, I don't know if it's gonna be hard, but just one thing that made you happy this week. Um, and I'll start. Yesterday was my birthday, so obviously very oh, happy. Happy birthday. happy birthday! Happy birthday! Thanks. Yep, one year closer to dying. And I got to see some of my friends that I haven't seen in a year because of Corona. So I usually see them once a year for birthdays and stuff, but I didn't get to see them last year. So I was really excited to meet back up with them, um, rehash. And yeah, it's been making me really happy this week. So who wants to go next? I will go. Hi. Uh, I think the thing that made me happy this week was, I mean, I just came back from a picnic with my friends, like a social distancing picnic. We had our towels out. And we sat on them like distance. So we were all on our little island and we just like passed food to each other. It was kind of nice. I'll talk to them tomorrow like a co and taking pictures. I received a package from like a friend in Japan um, that I haven't like been able to visit because of COVID, obviously. Um, it was like a late birthday present and like it was super sweet. And like I'm really happy that I can like get to talk to her again. Oh my gosh, what was the what was the present if you don't mind? Like Oh, it was us. a pencil case. I remember like uh like last year I was complaining about not being able to find a good pencil case so she she bought me a, a cute one. Oh my god that's so sweet of her. Yeah it was pretty cute. Hmm okay one good thing it was a pretty hectic week but I managed to get most of my IB requirements down so I can finally like relax kind of watch a few more of the shows that I put off because I spent most of this summer being productive as hell and I didn't really give myself a lot of time to just relax. So I think I can just take this time, even though it's during the school year, to slow things down a bit. And so that's pretty cool. Imagine having school. <laughs> I know, right? Imagine, <laughs> imagine not My having school. your school being delayed two weeks because yeah. people can't figure out the schedule. Wait, no. your school's delayed two weeks? Yeah. Ours I starts mean, in two weeks. Yeah, it starts at September 14th, which is two weeks later than usual, so unfortunately oh my god they're also like easing people into hybrid i was hearing a lot from what mk said a lot of grinding which i know that she's been doing all summer like and you're amazing by the way i've always thought that but like Thank you're you. amazing <laughs> everything you've been doing over the summer in relation to motive talks mom divergence but i think that this is a perfect segue to our topic for today's pod, which is productivity and basically grind culture. Something that I think we all struggle with a bit because we're all tryhards on here. Let's just, let's just dive into that, really. Okay, do you guys think that you're grinding enough? Never. Never, right? Never? Absolutely never. Like, like how, how much would you have to grind in a day to think that you're grinding enough? Constantly. Constantly? Okay, so like yeah. when you're do you, do you think that, like, you're inadequate because you're not grinding while you're eating? Yes, all the time, yeah. like, any time. Because, like, I think, okay, I think for me, it's, like, if, if there's, like, a certain goal that I want to hit today, then I'm okay with it. But if I, like, if I can't fix it, then it's going to be on my mind. Oh, okay. So the thing with me is that you brought up goals, right? So one thing that I have is a very, very, I'd say, stringent to-do list complex. Like, I just make to-do lists for everything and anything I do. It kind of controls my life. Like, I have one tab on my friend's Discord channel where it's just, like, me trying to keep myself accountable. And every single time, like, I start off the day with maybe, like, six tasks to do. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, oh, that wasn't enough. So I just keep on tacking more and more onto the to-do list, and I never end up finishing them. And so, like, that's my kind of mentality going into grind culture and all that. Interesting. Um... It sounds like y'all are a lot more organized than I am. To-do lists don't work for me. Agendas and schedules don't work. I'm really a, a vibe-oriented person when it comes to being pro uh, productive, which is problematic because I have four days until school starts and I still have two AP summer homeworks that have not been touched. Mm. But it, like what Ray was saying, I feel like I'm never, ever doing enough especially when I go to the toxic, disgusting, never should have ever entered it, applying to college Reddit, and I see everything that people who are as old as me or younger are doing, and I'm like, even the things I am doing and I'm in the middle of doing is not enough. So I can't even describe what it means to be successfully productive at this point. I don't browse r slash A2C on the daily, but I do read, I read their top posts because they, they're usually like essay guides and I really enjoy reading essay guides. 
remember I joined like the AP students discord and I got like so stressed from like the constant yeah when there's just like so many people who are also so dedicated and so hardworking, it's hard to not compare right like that's kind of what we thrive off of but to be frank like an echo chamber full of like people who are just like go 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 I got you bro it's like okay you know how in the AP students discord you can get a role for every single AP you're taking and then sometimes you look at those people and they have eight roles and you're like okay I take eight APs that year like am I not taking enough APs do I feel like I've bitten off too few yeah and it's just that wow. an energy I think like of, of so many people being productive it's like it really it, it's such a toxic way to survive I feel like which is why I stopped looking at the AP students discord and I try not to look at like too many forums because it makes me so nervous yeah I think that's a, a perfect way to describe it nervous and you know as someone I might be the only non-senior here, correct me if if I'm wrong, but I think I'm the only non-senior here. And looking at it, looking at what class of 2021 is going through, which also, rip you guys, I feel really bad for everything you guys have to go through. Well, I don't know what it's like for each state, but people who don't get to go back to school, so it's harder to get letters of rec, just everything. So, Oh, I had a teacher that refused to give me a letter of rec that and th- she just emailed me back yesterday and yeah. oh bro that's so it's, late no, no, no it's Yikes. okay it's my fault because I asked her kind of late at least I have two others so I'm fine but mm. yeah she said the reason oh, good, the reason but... was because she had so much work to do in the like normally she said she would have agreed but because of the, the pandemic it's just yeah not feasible teachers are overburdened yeah everything is just so crazy now and I don't even want to get into it because then I'll get more bummed out and ruin my good mood but back to what we were saying I feel like and I see this all the time on um, applying to college they always have that occasional post where it's like this is not reflective of the average high school this is like the top 0.1 percent of high schoolers Mm. and you know whether that's true or not I mean all these kids are applying to the same school and not all of them get in so that's obviously an indicator of something but I feel like that kind of works into kind of your own school culture I know some of you, I think maybe Ray, you might have said one time that you could kind of go to a competitive school. I think, MK, you might go to competitive school too. And do you feel like kind of the things you see on applying to college and Reddit's like it, that type of hyper-competitiveness you see at your school as well? Hmm. Yes, definitely. I'm Waka, but I'm new here. But um, Ray and I go to the same school. And I think I've seen that same... I mean, on our planning doc, I know we have, like, uh, I only got two hours of sleep last night. What? No, I didn't sleep at all. That kind of, um, like, competing for who can be the most productive, who has the highest chance of going to Harvard. The implication of that is, like, if you sleep less, it means you're studying more, which is not true, but there's just the implication that because I slept less, I might have studied more, therefore I'm going to, I've grinded more, therefore I've put more work into going in. I had one friend say to me, uh, when well, we were talking about our AP um, signups for this year, which also, just side note, they moved up the registration date again to October, and it makes me want to start a revolution and take down Trevor Packer and the rest of College Board once and for all, but that's another episode. He was saying that he was only getting four or five hours of sleep a night on purpose to prepare for college, and that was the dumbest thing I ever heard, and I kind of likened it to like a soldier saying that they were going to shoot themselves in the foot to prepare for them, to to prepare themselves for how being shot feels like. Like, if we don't prioritize things like mental health, getting enough sleep, things that make studying easier and retaining information easier for things like hyper-macho competitiveness that we see in high schools all over the country and obviously abroad as well, then we're just making a bunch of very unhealthy, toxic students at places like MIT and Harvard and U Michigan or UC Chicago as we know it, etc. Um, I had a friend who said the exact same thing to me. I, he was like, I'm only doing like two to three hours of sleep a night because that's going to be how it is in college and I need to prepare. Yeah, that was crazy to me. Um, now that the pandemic has kind of like pulled back all of the the hard scheduling that I had from compared to before, I've been getting a lot more sleep just because I don't have a hard deadline of I have to be up at like 6am or else I'm going to miss the bus or something like that. So I've been really noticing how much sleep affects my productivity. That's interesting because like at my school, I'd say that the exact opposite has been happening. 
just my general travel time to school is pretty long in comparison like most people. I travel around two hours to and two hours back, so that's a good chunk of my day just traveling. And that could be said for most of the other people that go to my school because we live in the Philippines and traffic's terrible. But one thing that I noticed is that as soon as we moved to online learning, it's like the teachers collectively agreed that, wow, they probably have more time because they're at home and they don't have to travel as much. So let's just completely neglect the fact that they have other things to do and make you do like so many things that we, yes, we do have to sleep like around two hours a night. Like, and a lot of it isn't really just time management. It's mostly to do with the fact that they have really skewed expectations of how productive we can be during the quarantine. So that's been kind of weird. I think it's like this idea that you you have to suffer enough to be like good. Yeah. Um, I think that applies to a lot of a lot of different communities. Like the first one I think of is like what's his face, Calvin Calvin Gara. Oh. You, you have you have to suffer enough. You have you have to suffer. You have to have enough like discomfort in your life to be accepted into our community. Like that. It's it's the same thing. I think right. If mm-hmm. if you want to be in that like carpool, you have to get no sleep to show that you're like you you suffered through it you have to grind through like it's, it's because people okay I think it's just because like for like if you have suffered through that much you don't want to see someone like just taking the bus to the top oh. that's a perfect way to put it to just getting to cruise onto the path of least resistance when you had to go through I mean I mean even though that like literally happens when like super privileged people get to scandal their way up yeah and- but besides like academia What's the competitiveness at y'all's schools when it comes to extracurriculars? Which, just personally, I've always cared more about ECs than I have for things like SATs, ACTs. Definitely. Really, anyone can get a 1500 plus on yes. SAT. Yeah, not everyone can get an internship at a hedge fund or uh, get a research opportunity at a top five school. And so, like, that's where I feel like my school in particular is very average. Like, it's a mm. small town, it's a kind of rural county people like sometimes the biggest thing on people's resumes are that they're in national honor society meanwhile you have kids in the bay area who are like passing legislation right by by (laughs) their city council members and saying yeah i did that while having a 5.0 1600 act 1600 act i want to be quirky wait we are bay area right um i maybe i think wait oh yeah it's a basic Uh, area Massachusetts is a pretty Bay Area of us. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what my club is doing. <laughs> I actually think that, like, at my school, we definitely place more emphasis on, like, pre-professional culture than we do academics, because we're not an, like, I wouldn't say that we're an academically competitive high school, but so many of these kids are just, like, so overly privileged that they can easily get an internship at their dad's company, or right after high school, like, as long as you have your degree, as long as you go to any, like, buttfuck college, then you can just take over my company. And so they're, like, that kind of emphasis has really, like, it made, it's making me think, like, I might be a high schooler, but should I already be thinking, well, not even thinking, but should I already be taking, like, tangible steps towards what I want to do in the future? I mean, I see that, like, I'm not going to name names, but, oh. like, we see this kid... I went, I went to Brown because I was an ISA finalist because my dad uh, has a company in a foreign country where I did internships at. And I took that internship research at my dad's company, presented it, um, became a finalist at ISAF, and now I'm at Brown. So, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how we're supposed to be. Like, I haven't cured cancer yet. Am I okay? <laughs> we, have, we have several very competitive um, teams. Like, we have a robotics team. We also have the Science Bowl team, which is, like, so depressingly competitive. Um, that we have four separate teams. We have A team, B team, C team, and C team, and D team. A team is the best. And the top two teams go to nationals usually. And it's kind of like, it's so depressing that it's like really competitive and you, you step one foot in there and they tell you that you can study your way and make it to like D team or whatever. But then it's it's just like disgusting. Y'all are scaring me right now because it's like, <laughs> um, the most important thing in my high school is like maybe football. And we're not even good at football. So um, that's why it gets me very irritated when I go on against Reddit. I've had to delete that thing at least three times during this quarantine. And every time I just go. Yeah, I have back. to stop myself from the rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. Because again, it's at this point, it's like, am I going to college so that I can cure cancer? Or am I curing cancer so that I can go to college? Like, which one is <laughs> Honestly, it? Honestly, yeah. Like, 
honestly, I don't, I treat, I don't regret the amount of accomplishment that I have in high school, um, because I think that if this is what I can do in high school, in college, I'll be able to do even more. I mean, what, what it is for me is that I feel like there's so much that I want to do right now, and I, I guess I could do, but something that makes me hesitate um, from, like, going and doing all of that is that, like, I feel like my intentions aren't pure to say. I, like, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but there's so many people who are, like, doing all these internships, and it makes me really sad to see, like, something that technically does have such a good effect, you know, maybe they, someone has set up an organization, maybe they're donating masks, but it also sucks to see, like, the underhanded feeling of like, oh, but this will also be good for my college application. So you're like afraid, I think the word you're looking for is genuine. Or yeah, yeah, like rather you feel like a lot of people because of this grind mentality are becoming disingenuine Mm -hmm. when it comes to doing great things for the community. And I have to say, I wholeheartedly agree. I see that a lot with like recently the Black Lives Matter movement, which I don't, I don't want to I don't know, gatekeep it, but it's really annoying to see just something that has been going on for, honestly, you could say as long as Black people have been in the U.S., and all of a sudden, I don't know, it's become trendy, and you see all these kids coming up with nonprofits to combat and advocate for Black Lives Matter and for racial justice, and I'm like, this this stuff was going on strong in 2019, and everyone was silent. And I know a lot of people, like, for example, Students for Black Lives, they're doing such amazing stuff. And I, I feel that they're genuine, but I know a lot more people who are starting these random student-led Gen Z nonprofits by students for students aren't necessarily doing it for the right reasons. I think it's just this idea that, okay, there's, there's been, you've seen that r slash ATC post. It's, it's like there's there been 30 nonprofits been made since April or something like that. And, and while that might be because of Corona, so people have more time to do things, there's, there's obviously the reason that like kids are making these nonprofits because they want to create the application persona that they're very woke. And I got to tell you, like at my high school, a bunch of nonprofits have come up and like, like the general demographic of this high school is incredibly skewed. It's just really skewed towards like not even the 1%, but the 0.0001%. Like everybody is so ridiculously privileged that I could easily hear somebody say like, oh, I'm going to attend a yacht party after this. And like, oh, it's cool. That's cool, bro. And then you see these same people like starting up nonprofits like, I don't want to say the name. (laughs) Um, They're starting up nonprofits for like educating the um underprivileged and all of that and like their entire slogan is all education is a right it's not a blah 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 blah. and it's like well yeah did it take you this long to realize that and like are you really going to start up a nonprofit to educate the poor because like nobody else is doing that like heck no so many organizations are doing that you just want to start it because you want to be the founder of something like mk you, you literally just said my biggest grievance so articulately I, if I have to see one more chance me where someone says, oh, start a nonprofit to help the underprivileged do blank, C- study computer science, learn education, get books, blah, blah, blah. I'm literally going to self-combust because one, I don't know if this has like always been going on or if like in this particular uh, college admission cycle, nonprofits have become the newest, trendiest thing. But like, I, I would think that admissions officers would be very, very easily able to look through all of these thin paper non nonprofits, even though like majority of them aren't even registered as 501s. This is all just a hack. This is just kids making up a really nice website, putting on some fake pictures, and then plotting it onto their common app so that they can, you know, kind of advance across the admissions pool. And I personally, wouldn't it be a lot more um, impressive to be working with a more well-established nonprofit like the American Red Cross or Amnesty International than making some random nonprofit with a very cheesy Gen Z related name <laughs> and saying student-led nonprofit for students by students, da-da-da-da, the same exact carbon copy with just different colors. Anyway. What I'm wondering is like, I think this might be a product of like 2020 productivity uh, culture in particular, 
just because like, especially once again, with all the time that we have, I think that people spend way too much time with their thoughts. And like, that's probably what the main reason why everybody kind of feels the need to overcomplicate everything and to like, try to make a name for themselves during this time where like everybody Mm -hmm. just seems so disconnected from other people. And that might be like, just like the main reason behind the grind. It's like, I, there's so much I need something to fill it with. Um, I really hope that the organizations that have like popped up during this time are like the kinds of things that people have always wanted to do, but now they finally have the time to do it. And even though I hope that I also know that that's probably not the case for uh, some of them or a lot of them. Yeah. And I won't demonize the people who start them completely because I know what it's like to not want to be a keg in somebody else's machine. And it's really, you know, somebody says, oh, I can, I know how to work Adobe Spark Post. I know how to work Photoshop. I mean, I could just put on a couple of posts about how, yeah, Black people do deserve rights. And, you know, trans lives do matter. And I can get a bunch of likes for it. And then I can say that I was raising awareness. I understand that people say it's an easy way to show that I am about social justice and you know kind of brown nose to the admissions officers who eat that up but i feel like maybe that means we're valuing or maybe we think that the wrong things are being valued when it comes to the type of person we should be when it comes to college i saw this one post on red the other day where it was like i don't care about getting into my dream school all that i care about is showing the admissions officers who I am and they can take it or they can leave it. But as long Mm -hmm. as I was genuine on that common app or on that coalition app, then that's all that really matters. And if we don't start prioritizing that, then the mental health of the kids of class 2025, 2026, et cetera, et cetera, are just going to go into a downward spiral. I think this is like really what happens when productivity is allowed to like really seep into our activism. Like, Besides not being very authentic, I just think that like it's kind of incentivized activism as something that we just need to continuously strive for. Like we just need to like accumulate as many likes as possible. We need to expand our reach. We need to say, I have been partnered with this organization, that organization, and this is how many people I've reached. And boom, I am an activist god. And to me, like the fact that activism has become a game is just not only inauthentic but it's outright disgusting mm. I, 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 my mic was off but i'm i'm snapping over here like minorities are not your trend to like use for your own college gain <laughs> yeah they're not like yeah the underprivileged the marginalized isn't a prop in your ivy league admissions journey and the fact that we have to say that out loud is like MK said, just disgusting. So we don't have a BLM club because no one's ever thought of Black Lives Matter in my school. I guess I'll be able to start one like an entrepreneur. No one has thought of it. You know, moving along, we've already begun to discuss the benefits and harms of this kind of pseudotoxic grind mentality that too many really young kids have. I mean, I've seen kids who are literally in their ninth grade year making chance pieces and saying, am I doing the right thing? What extracurriculars should I do? And every time someone replies by saying, do what you like, they get very frustrated because they have been basically taught to think that what they like to do isn't what gets you into a good school. I remember being taught, uh, told that when I was in ninth grade and I was very frustrated as well like in my like free time I like to do art and it's so sad that just like the way that our like society's culture oh we live in a society no but um the way that our like the way that we raise like young kids and the way that they're taught in school is to to devalue their hobbies and to devalue their interests um for the sake of getting into a good school i feel like it's also like a, a cultural race thing like if, if I, I were able to tell my parents um like i like to draw or i like to do this stuff that isn't like conventionally stem or like praised by people or isn't like competitive in general like i, don't I mean know. at least at our school i can definitely say that the most prioritized subject is math and science 
and then maybe next it's like English and then history and then uh, maybe music and then art or and then last is like dance. I think the primary two or maybe maybe three is um, sports is really important like if you're the captain of your sports team because it's competitive and then the second thing is maybe math, math team science team because that's competitive and then the third thing is like debate because that's competitive so it's all just like if you can if you if you can say that you're good by putting yourself worth on a competition um then that's like productive grind yeah and like if we really want to like build on that race thing i think that one of the main reasons really like this is what i've been telling myself one of the main reasons why a lot of asian families value stem and value just like results oriented like this is what i've won this is what i've done type of things that you can't really find in art or anything related to that i think a part of it is really that like because it's not quantifiable and like because they value like that above all else like being able to put effort into something and see something come out of it a lot of it is really just like a product of their what they were not really able to do in their home countries why they continuously strive to like go to other places to kind of just like make a name for themselves like you can't really do that as linearly with art like how sure can you really be that this is something that will bring honor to our family or is that something that will like kind of just show the fact that like we as maybe immigrants or as people that um as people that like haven't really been able to make a name for themselves in the past how do we like do that if we don't even know whether we're going to be successful or not yeah and and not to mention that i'll at least say from an immigrant standpoint things and jobs within STEM are almost always going to be there. You're never going to run out of doctors. You're never really going to run out of scientists or engineers. That's a job that you're, you'll, you will always need. And even if you don't like it, like, for example, I don't know why, but my mom really wanted to be an accountant, which is a very weird thing for somebody to want to be, but <laughs> she really wanted to be an accountant. But when she moved over here, um, with my father, she was like, okay, well, I have a son coming on the way and I'm like working as a librarian assistant because I don't have any jobs and nobody's hiring accountants right now, but you know what they are hiring? Nurses. And I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this and you probably haven't because you guys are African, but a lot of African mothers are usually nurses, um, at least in my experience, because that's just something that has a large market. So my mom went to nursing school and is she passionate about being a nurse? I don't really think so, but it's something that puts food on the table and it's been doing that for all of my life. And so she keeps on saying to me, why don't you consider being a nurse? There's always going to be nurses. And I used to say I wanted to be a journalist and she did not like that, um, especially considering the administration right now in the U.S. and how they kind of target the free press. And she was like, you know, they can't really target nurses. They can't just say... Well, unless they're Christian scientists, they can't say, you know, don't believe the medicine. Don't believe that, oh, you know, your blood pressure is high. You'll always need nurses. And that's a job that you can always get. So that's a job field you should go into. It's just about job security and parents wanting what's best for their kids. And sometimes you don't realize that liking the job that you're going to be doing for the next 40 years is crucial to wanting the best for your child. Like, like school-wise, I feel like a college administration perspective, you're not going to have a number on how good this person is at art. You're going to have a number on how good they are at, at math or science. And that's a way to compare uh, students from different places. So I, I, I can see why, you know, math and science is so prioritized. But I wish, like in the future, I hope that people can start to emphasize how important doing what you like and having um, a life outside of numbers and just like simply working towards getting the highest score possible, um, how important that is. Am I allowed to have like a kind of hot take? Yeah. Yeah, just like a kind of hot take for me. I think that the grind mentality and college admissions culture are two things that actually go against each other in every single way. And the reason I say that is because it, they mainly admit people who, A, have never had to grind in their lives just because, like, you know, that's what they were born into. Or B, people that, like, I'd, I, I do ho- still think that there is some room left in these incredibly elitist institutions for people that actually deserve to get in. And I think that a lot of that isn't really grind per se, but because, like, 
the thing that really distinguishes top colleges and your average college would be that there's just so much more nuance that goes into the process. Like you don't really just look at numbers, of course, you don't just look at what they've done, but like so much of it is like, do you fit the image of the Yale person? And like, are you the Harvard man? Stuff like that. And that's why I think that like grind culture really repels that. Like you're maybe you will become the Harvard man or the Yale girl because you worked your ass off and that's cool. But like, is that really you? And that's probably the reason why, like, I don't think you really should be grinding to get into these colleges. And that's another reason why, like, you really shouldn't be taking it too personally when they reject you. Yeah, because it's like if you spent your entire um, formative years of adolescence studying, not doing anything, not developing a personality, if your entire personality is trying to get into a top 20 school, top 20 schools probably ain't going to like you because they want people who actually, you know, have free thinking thoughts or have a sense of humor, have something to bring to the table. You know, you always hear that, um, that line, they don't want a well-rounded student. They want a well-rounded class, whatever that means. Um, and how everyone says that it's your essays that really matter. Your essays can make up for bad grades. Your essays can make up for even subpar extracurriculars. And I think that's because they want people who, uh, they want real people, I guess is the simplest way to put it. That's why I always get really upset when someone's like, oh, well, I had a 4.8 GPA and a 1600 SAT, 36 ACT, all five of my AP exams, and I still got rejected. So really, it's just a crapshoot. And then, you know, they might say something very passive aggressive towards underrepresented minorities, yada, yada, yada. I really yeah. hope there is a, there is a way to get them this message out to more parents, maybe. Or, I mean, I guess our generation and when our generation becomes the parents of our kids, I guess, that like, you know, what makes a, a great student and not just a student, a person is not their numbers or their grades or their scores. It's their, it's what they enjoy and their passion and their personality. And I think that this is really where a lot of the anxiety behind wanting to be productive really comes from. It's that conflict between passion and control because there's so much you can't really control with your passion. I don't want to get cheesy, but like, of course, like when you're passionate about something, it's something that you can spend hours and hours on and not really re- expect results from anything, but still enjoy doing it. Like that's kind of me with writing. That's probably you guys with art or whatever it is that you do. But like when that aspect of like control comes in, this might be seen in the college admissions process or with jobs. The fact that you're like, okay, these are the tasks that I have to master. These are tasks that I can do. And like, as long as I work hard at it, I will see results and there's like so much closure there and the fact that like okay these are the aspects of app my app that I can control I think that's really what drives most productivity and that's one of the reasons why passion really like interferes with that because if you can't find results and how are you supposed to prove that you're a good person even though like you know that you're a good person that that you're worth it so wait I have a question to pose for the three of you do you and I, I'm gonna say I believe this. Do you think that things like imposter syndrome, which I've been feeling a lot of recently, um, is perpetuated and partially caused by the increase in grind culture amongst our generation? Like, for example, I got accepted to this um civic program, which I didn't expect to get into because it's like only 24, 25 kids across the US and we in our slack which ill they use slack but whatever um <laughs> in the slack for the group we all had to write our own bios and i was reading everyone's bios and i was like why are you guys doing all these things and you're like rising sophomores and i'm like 17 and i like just you know do a podcast every week and was able to write some really cool essays i guess and i feel like because of the grind culture that we all have experienced here it kind of disillusions us to our own achievements. Like what we do just on its own can't be considered good. It's only considered good next to our classmate or next to the person who we perceive to be better than us. And that mentality, one is just completely insane and can only make one never feel good about themselves, but really just disallows us from giving credit when credit's due, especially to ourselves. 
First of all, I'm sorry that you have to use Slack. I hate Slack. I know. Um, second of all, that definitely happens to me just scrolling through LinkedIn. I'm just like, oh my God, they like, they published a book and like, here I am, like I can barely write 500 words and I consider myself a writer. Well, too bad, Maxine. And I'm just like, Maybe it's because I've just been conditioned towards competition and wanting to best other people in a competition that I haven't really been able to ever settle for any time and just be like, yeah, this is something that I've done. And like, if I feel comparatively less than other people, it doesn't really matter because the fact is that they chose me and like, like, this is something that I've done. Maybe it isn't even like imposter syndrome in regards to just like, Oh, I, I, I read my classmates' bio. I, I feel imposter syndrome because I don't think I'm enough. Um, certainly nothing like them. But maybe it's even just like the perceived notion of your classmates. Um, like even if you don't know what they're doing, you just have this feeling that they're better than you, even if you don't know. And this idea that you don't really, really know scares you. Oh my gosh. So now it's like <laughs> hypothetical imposter right? syndrome. Right? No, you know what you're an imposter at. It's, it's, like, it's yeah. like my, my friend. my friend never tells me what she's doing. Um, and it means that either she's really, really competitive and she's not telling me anything because she feels weird or she's like extremely powerful. And the idea that I can't really, I guess, gauge her productivity, mm. that, mm, that, it's, that there, there isn't even something to measure up to, I think scares people into having imposter syndrome in the first place because they don't know. I mean, I think the root of that is also just like feeding off of comparing yourself to others. Um, I know what you're talking about because at least in our like friend circle or like school, and probably across a lot of schools and students across, you know, the universe, you want to know who's the best at this, who you want to compare. And you really like feed off of feeling like, ooh, uh, I, I think I might have done good compared to the class average this time. One last take from me before I shut up for like good extra few minutes or so. In my school, because like just being from the Philippines, like this country values results so much. Every single time a school has like a bar exam, they don't even list out the names. They have a whole like billboard on the highway for people that have like achieved first place in this competition or that competition. And like one thing that's that kind of just made me feel a bit better about myself, and this might just be like schadenfreude or something, seeing people from my school and their LinkedIn accounts or whatever they happen to like post that makes me know what they've achieved and knowing them in real life and being like, wait, there's like a kind of a discrepancy here. Like you didn't really do that. Like you did it, but it wasn't as good as you're making it out to be. So realizing that and realizing like most people are probably doing the same thing it kind of makes me feel a bit better. Like, okay, these people are just really good at wordplay. Ah, so you like seeing posers from your school. <laughs> well, I don't like them because, like, what if they're successful at posing? But, like, it makes me feel better that, like, they're not actually achieving as much as they say they are. And, like, I'm, like, not a failure, I guess. Yeah, you know, I and I understand that. That's why I kind of think I get tired of seeing all these posts where it's like hating on kids that like make out extracurriculars more than they need to be. Cause I'm just like, y'all realize this is a game. The legacy kids are always gonna come in first. Then you have, yeah, the legacy kids and the donors, then you're gonna have everybody else on the same playing field. So you might as well use any dirty trick you can to get in. And I completely agree. It feels a lot better to, and this is kind of toxic, but it, it feels better when you know that your classmates aren't doing as well as they seem and that kind of ghost of competition that's weighing on your neck gets to be lifted at least for a little bit but i it's I, it's so maddening that we can't even be happy for our own classmates successes because we're always just thinking what do i need to do in order to be one against them like you know i'll be happy for you as long as you're not going above me in my pursuit <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it sucks to say, but I think it's also, there's just like a limited number of spots. And at the end of the day, it's compete for a spot. And at least that's how it feels. Like, go for it. Because if you don't play the game, then what are you going to do, right? Yeah, that's a good one. Like, kind of shifting, like, based on that, I was going to say, like, how do you feel this kind of stigmatizes those that like aren't a part of these select forums that most of us are on because we're all tryhards. Like, what do you think this does for 
the non-tryhards or like the ones that like can't be tryhards even if they wanted to just because they lack the resources? Like how do you think productivity culture affects them? Oh my God. Well, one, I have to say it completely shatters my heart when I see like a Questbridge finalist or just like, you know, any low income student or someone who's just been going through a lot of um, troublesome tribulations within their lives and they kind of rant about how much not only they they themselves feel like they're imposter in the great universities that they completely deserve to get into but how their classmates make them feel that way like if you go on the um the black ivy league instagram you'll see so many posts about kids um saying their classmates said oh so that's how you got in because you're low income or that's how you got in because you're black and it's just just so sad because we can't even allow our peers to feel happy about when we're at the same place. We already won. We're both at the same university. So why do some people feel insecure that others who came from, you know, a lesser background got to be at the same place? I just don't understand it. And I got to be honest, I always wonder what it's like for like normal kids who go on applying to college just like looking for genuine help and see all of these Bay Area kids that are, like, crying over getting a four on, like, AP Physics. I think there's also, like, okay, so you know how there, you see all these productivity videos on YouTube that are, like, you have to use these Muji pens, or you have to use the Kokuyo Campus Notebook, and there's people who with low income that feel like they can't be productive or they can't just be successful if they don't buy these specific items that romanticize the idea of productivity. Ah, uh, capitalism. I mean, I don't and, know if this is like on topic or not, but I've seen that with like art and stuff too, like of like you needing to buy these like specific materials or else you're not going to be as good as anyone and feeling like, in my experience, like feeling sorry for yourself because you can't afford these materials. Oh my God. I used to hate that. I used to draw so much in middle school and I remember every single big artist they'd have like um copic markers and yes. i remember one time yeah i was like dad i want copic markers and he was like okay and so we went to the art store and it was like ten dollars for one copic marker <laughs> yeah it's insane i had that exact experience only i was able to get them um i didn't get like the full-size ones i got like the tiny like pack of like the copic chow or whatever but like that didn't really make me any better at art honestly so i guess that proves it doesn't really matter what materials you use it's just how good you are not to yeah. mention the like none of the artists on youtube or on instagram mention that you have to buy like specific paper for you to use the copic markers and for them to look as good as the artwork on pinterest which yeah. you could kind of apply to things like academics where if you're low income and let's assume that you, you like you're in the lower middle class so you're not low income enough to qualify for waivers and you know things like that but you also can't even afford to be taking the SAT more than two times so you have kids out here who are working like 35 hour weeks to be able to afford to apply to places like Harvard and Yale like that $75 application fee is no joke. And I feel like a lot of kids on the subreddit who were just like, I wish I was poor. So I would, uh, you know, uh, be able to apply for need-based aid or I wish I was poor so I could apply to the scholarship, not realizing that there are some kids out here who cannot even afford to apply to this school. But yeah, so it seems like we all have grievances with one Trevor Packer, um <laughs> college board really just the entire college admissions process in and of itself anything that you have to pay for for public education just just get rid of it but moving on what i guess should we do or should we suggest anyone else do who's listening who deals with the same problems that we've been complaining about for like the past hour <laughs> do to kind of remedy these problems for me um i recently like just uh went to like a summer school program that was like pretty selective and like i've met a lot of people who were you know they were so smart and they were so cool and they were so good but i didn't feel too much imposter syndrome personally um i know it's kind of like saying don't don't have just don't have imposter syndrome which is kind of weird but at the end of the day it's like you have to take a step back and like look at your look at what you've done and say, hey, I've accomplished all of this. They picked you to be there or wherever you are. So, you know, you're qualified to be there and to give yourself that credit. Honestly, I think it might be good to at least have 
um, a record of like everything you did. So when you look back on it and you feel like, oh, I've done nothing, you look back at that list and you go, oh, these are all the things that I did. These are the things that are me. And I think also if you accomplish something, write down like how it made you feel, like the steps you took along the way, the hardships you faced, so it seems more organic. In my experience, like as somebody who just feels the need to be productive in every single way, I've kind of tricked my mind into thinking, uh, into making leisure and making non-work things feel productive for me. Being able to like allot my time, using a lot more techniques that let me work smarter rather than harder as much of a uh, statement that as that might be. It's really helped me a lot. Actually, just like setting goals for myself and being like, okay, if I do this, then I'll be able to do, and then I'll be able to watch this many episodes or even just like incentivizing the episodes themselves being like, I can finish this many episodes and I can be a fandom god. Like I should just like try to join as many fandoms as I can. And honestly, work can wait sometimes because you know what? Maybe I want a life occasionally. And just like kind of conditioning my mind like that. It's made me so much more grateful for everything that I've done. And it's also like made me realize how much I don't actually want a lot of the college goals, work goals that I set for myself before the quarantine. So I don't know if that's just me, but that's what I think that's a great me. way to say it. Yeah, like make, you know, productivity doesn't have to be like um, doing the schoolwork or doing something that like, I don't know, uh, doing your homework or whatever. Um, it can also just be like, hey, I want to like time management, I guess. Like I want to watch this show um, or, you know, getting up when you say you want to get up and going to sleep when you say you want to go to sleep. I don't know. Yeah, personally, like, I, I've been kind of focused on personal growth and like making things that I am very proud of. And those things include like, I want to drink miso soup every other day, um, make a bowl of instant miso so I can like eat yeah. breakfast instead of like not eat breakfast in the morning because I don't, or like practice a consistent skincare routine or like work out just a little every day. Like, I don't know, those things are like, I, I want to build habits, just like small habits that'll like help me and make me feel good that I can keep some semblance of consistency and not lose my mind. Yeah, I've been trying to do that. I've been trying to drink 60 ounces of water a day and it, it, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. You think it's not going to be anything, but that's like uh, four 15 ounce water bottles. And it's, it's, it's one day at a time. But one thing comes to mind that I've had trouble sticking to I think it might have been like the calf path on YouTube. It was somebody who made a freshman advice video. And it was like, if you ever are in the situation where you have to choose between sleep and work, like sleep and working on your homework until 2 a.m. or studying for it, always pick sleep. No matter what, always pick sleep because it's never worth, even if you might feel better, even if you might feel like I can handle only five hours a day, you know, and still be successful. Just always pick sleep. It's like your best friend. And I don't know. I've been trying to do that this quarantine and use that as we go into an online setting. I just hope that, you know, despite the trials and tribulations that we're gonna have to go through, you guys more so than I will, with college admissions, that, you know, we can look back at these times with some type of fondness. I was one of those people who was bragging about how little sleep I got during the school year. Um, and I was like, I only got four hours a day or I slept at 4 a.m. Um, I was working so hard on my essay. Um, and I'm going to tell you, like, as soon as like we got into quarantine and I've been able to get like a solid eight to like 10 hours of sleep a day, just because I don't really have a set time of like, I have to be up by 6 a.m. Um, I've just been like functioning so much better and now I can't see how I survived with only like four hours of sleep. No, yeah. literally, I don't understand how I was going to the bus stop at 6.50 every day. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. I can't imagine um, like functioning on four hours of sleep anymore and I can never go back to that life now. And another nugget of wisdom, if you can call it that from MK, is that if you do ever find yourself in a situation where something like you don't even have the choice, like you still like really need to do something and you really need to put off sleep, then one, you either need to reflect on 
like if it's for school, you need to reflect on how well you managed your time. Or two, if it's not really related to school, or if it kind of is, but like, I don't know, like you have to assess like, how worth it really is it? If you have to put in that much time into something that you likely don't like because it's making you all stressed and like staying up until whatever time, like, is it really worth it? And like, is that really something that you want to do? A lot of this like comes from school itself, putting so much pressure on students that sometimes like procrastination isn't really something that people actively do, but is something that really arises from fear is, I guess, what I'm getting at. It's just like, where do you really draw the line and where do you start having these discussions of like, okay, are we giving people enough room to like find something that they like and find something that will help them sleep and not have to sacrifice so much of their life? Or are we creating a system that like, prevents people from ever doing that. Basically, what Maxine's saying is we should abolish school, just give people, like, different (laughs) factions, like a dystopian novel, hope that it doesn't get dystopian, at least in our lifetimes, and then, you know, let them hash it out, like most of the good movies and books that we read. Divergent is the first thing that came to mind. Um, I was hoping that we could do a a little something like Harry Potter, you know, Mm -hmm. as a Ravenclaw myself. Um, I really like that though because it's like you're surrounded by people who like have different the same mentality as you and you don't get the diversity of people oh yeah you're telling oh my god that kind of reminds me you know those Meyer those Meyer Briggs tests where like tells you Jesus excuse me that is next week's topic wait yeah I saw (laughs) oh wait yeah yeah oh my god oh my god (laughs) yeah Um, segue into the next podcast let's do two in a row next time Next time I mean, that kind of does, talk. like, <laughs> that factors into productivity, too. Like, if we do two podcasts in a row, then, like, man, it's kind of like a diminishing marginal returns thing. Like, is it really worth it? We'll find out in the next podcast. <laughs> oh, God. Next time on Motive Talks. <laughs> next time on Motive Talks, we talk about identity and how we want to fit into groups. Wow. Basically, screw the college board, always sleep, do things you love, and remember... Harvard is not the be-all, end-all. It's what Harvard can give you that's the be-all, end-all. Remember, Stanford isn't real. It doesn't exist. Or it's a lie. Yeah, you're not a terrible person for wanting good things for yourself, and you're not a terrible person for wanting to take things at your own pace and, you know, just trying to figure things out by your own accord. It's really not a bad thing to do. And other people might tell you that it is, but screw them. And remember, even if you want St. Anford, if St. Anford doesn't want you, you don't want them. (laughs) Even though that's going to feel like a lie for like the next five years of your life. So much of this feels like projecting. (laughs) You have to to be better than the admissions counselor, you know? Your self-worth is not what the admissions counselor thinks of you. You have to be better than that. You you have to learn how to reject them, not We need to listen to this podcast like once the results come out. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) 